Hello, you are listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. What Happens in Vegas by Malibu Sunset on AO3. Rating Explicit. Chapter 5. They say very little in the car on the way back to her apartment, but he holds her hand the entire way, his fingers woven with hers and resting on her knees. She sneaks little glimpses of him as he drives and thinks about how perfect the night was, how much she doesn't want it to end, then how it doesn't have to. He's been every bit the gentleman tonight, charming her, romancing her, treating her like a priceless treasure. She can't believe he's gone to such great lengths for her. The flowers, the dinner, arranging the private sky viewing. She feels just a little guilty, like she should have told him that if he'd shown up at her place with a bad movie rental and fast food, she'd still want him. She knows it's the truth. But this, this is nice for a change. She hasn't been treated this way in so very long. And who knew? Who knew Mulder could pull off the most romantic night she's ever had on less than 24 hours' notice? She's so lost in her own thoughts, staring at the window at floating city lights and passing intersections, that takes her a minute to realize they're idling in front of her apartment building. When she turns to look at him, he's smiling at her sweetly. Hi, he says. Hi, she responds with a quiet sigh. So, here we are. Yes, here we are. Thank you for dinner, Mulder, and the observatory. It was just... It was perfect. I had a really lovely time. He nods sheepishly and turns off the ignition. I'll walk you up. Actually, would you like to come in for a little while? Have a cup of coffee? His face brightens. Yeah, I'd like that. It's still a beautiful, clear night, and they make their way unheardly up the brick walkway to her apartment and into the elevator. Once inside her front door, she tosses her keys and handbags onto a table and switches on two small lamps. He lingers in the middle of her living room rug with his hand in his pockets, looking around as if he hasn't been there hundreds of times before. There are a lot of flowers in your apartment, Scully. Yes, there certainly are. Somebody must really like you, he smiles. She laughs lightly, and then they stand there for just a minute, wondering what to do next. Excuse me for a minute, Mulder. Go ahead and make yourself comfortable. I'll be right back. She uses the bathroom and washes up, pausing to wipe tiny smudges of eyeliner and smooth down her hair. Her cheeks are still rosy from the fresh night air and his kisses and she smiles at herself in the mirror. She looks exhilarated and happy, despite the cluster of butterflies that have taken up residence in her stomach. There's a man in your apartment, Dana. She could remind herself that it's just Mulder, but she's not sure if that would make it better or worse. When she gets out of the bathroom, he's sitting at her kitchen table with his hands resting on top folded. He looks expectant and a little unsure of himself. And it occurs to her that he is indeed waiting for coffee. Good Lord. She smiles. What you doing, Mulder? He looks at her as she approaches him slowly with a little sway in her hips. 
I, uh, you mentioned something about coffee. No wonder it took mind-altering drugs to finally get them together. She walks to where he's seated, and he swivels to face her, perplexity etched on his boyish, innocent features. She steps between his legs, and her hands find their way into his soft hair. Do you want coffee, Mulder? He swallows and looks up at her with foggy eyes. The supple pads of her fingers move to his face, along his cheekbones, along the shell of his ears, mapping him with her hands. He closes his eyes and presses his face to the gentle slope of her stomach while his hands find her waist. Mulder, she says, her voice heavy and low. When a woman invites you up to her apartment, after you've been kissing her under the stars for an hour and a half, what do you think that means? He rolls his head to look at her, a teasing spark in his eyes. That she wants to see my telescope? A quick laugh erupts from Scully, her stomach muscles tightening against his chin. She bends to kiss him in response, sifting her fingers through his hair and pushing her tongue into his mouth. And then Mulder makes his first ungentlemanly move of the evening. He slips his hands from her waist, slides them down the sides of her hips to cup her ass and squeeze. She whimpers in delight, and Mulder thrusts his tongue deeper into her mouth. When she finally breaks the kiss, swaying on her feet, he's looking up at her with intoxicated arousal. She isn't confident of her ability to remain vocal much longer. So she tugs him gently by the hand. Come on, she whispers. He rises and follows her silently down the hall to the bedroom. The room is cool and dark, and she considers turning on a light, but doesn't. Street lamp residue filters through the blinds, and she can see enough. Can see him standing there ghost-like in front of her, waiting for her to make the first move. She approaches him and lays a hand to his chest to feel his breathing to feel how alive and warm and real he is. His heart thrums steadily against her palm, and she thinks about what his life means to her, how she's come to need him more than anything or anyone else, how his mere existence makes everything all right. Her eyes sting and she draws a sharp breath, willing herself to stay in the moment. She works at the buttons of his shirt until the cotton slides from his body, and disappears into the dark pool of her bedroom floor. Her hands skim the planes of his pectorals, feeling the smoothness of his muscles, coarse hair slipping in the spaces between her fingers. The pad of one thumb makes brief contact with his nipple, and his chest expands sharply for a second before he resumes drawing shallow breaths. He stands still with his arms at his sides, and she can feel the tightness in his biceps and shoulders as he holds back, letting her explore him. There's effort involved in his patience. She loves him for this, for his insistence on letting her set the pace. When the back of her hand follows the thin trail of hair down the front of him, and she tucks fingers into the front of his waistband, he releases a caught breath and a soft groan. Christ, Scully. She kisses him deeply, all the while working his belt free, then his buttons and zipper, His pants collapse down to his ankles with a clank of his belt buckle, and she knows what she'll see without looking down. She steps even closer to him, and oh, he's right there, 
hard as a knife between them, nudging her stomach. His lips release hers, and for the first time since they moved into the bedroom, he touches her with his hand, palming the back of her neck and tugging her head to his chest. Scully, God. He struggles to slow his ragged breathing. I want you so damn much. Me too, she rasps, pressing her cool lips to his overheated sternum. I want to make this slow, to be good for you, but I don't know. Shh, she whispers to his chest. Shh, it's okay. I shall lie down, he says dizzily. I'm going to lie down. She nods and they move to the bed. She turns down the comforter while he slips his boxers off and unfolds himself onto the sheets. Lying on his back and watching her, the solid ridge of his cock is angled against his belly. She is still entirely clothed, and she goes about rectifying that, reaching behind her neck for the catch on her dress. He watches her, his eyes shifting over her body as she undresses. She fights the modesty she feels and lets him drink his fill, knowing he loves her. He loves her. She is safe with him. She is not embarrassed of her body, but it's been so long since she's undressed in front of someone. So long. She is fit, lean, but there are scars, marks, defects, maps of a road traveled where she has been damaged and marred. But it's her journey, their journey. If anyone will love her imperfections, he will. If the look on his face is any indication, she has nothing to worry about. No man has ever looked upon her body this way. She feels as breathtakingly splendid as a Renaissance painting, bathed in moonlight as she snaps off her bra and her breasts fall free. He reaches for her immediately when she lies down next to him, leaning over on his elbow. An eager hand trembles and floats over her naked torso, barely touching her. His fingers ghost up over her bare hips and stomach, then to her breasts where he finds her nipple pinched into a tiny peak, overstimulated and desperate for his touch. Only his. Beautiful, he whispers, kissing the slope of her shoulder. You're just so beautiful. At the first brush of his wet mouth to her breasts, she gasps and arches, then releases control, letting herself down in the sensations. His tongue flicks and teases her nipples, one, then the other, while his fingers stroke the velvet undersides of her breasts. The dull ache between her legs becomes a throb, and she is crushed by desire for him. Her nails scrape his scalp, and she shifts impatiently against the sheets until he steadies her with a hand to her hip. All the while, he takes his sweet, torturous time, his mouth bleeding hot over her hypersensitive skin. Mulder, please... He takes her nipple between his teeth in a gentle bite, and she nearly jumps off the mattress, her hand fisting tightly in his hair. Oh my God, yes. His head raises for a moment to regard her curiously, and his eyes question her. So, you like that? Her cheeks flush hot as she answers him silently in the affirmative. He appears thrilled with this new discovery and dips his head back down to her chest, doubling his efforts, this time with the hand between her thighs. He is stroking and teasing and stroking and teasing and touching her everywhere 
except on that tiny spot where she needs it most. Her hips circle feverishly. At the moment, all the blood in her body is concentrated in one small area, leaving her unable to do much more than pant and moan, which she is doing expertly. No one could ever fault him for skimping on the foreplay, that's for sure. She's had good sex before, but no one else has been quite so thorough with the preparatory stages. Most men are patient with the kissing, but once the clothing comes off, there seems to be a general desperation to get on with things. It would appear that Mulder has a deep appreciation for the entire process. Given his tactile and focused nature, this shouldn't and doesn't surprise her. It does, however, frustrate the hell out of her at the moment. She's so wet she feels like the Amazon is running between her thighs. Mulder, she groans. He keeps licking her breasts like they're coated in sugar. Mulder. Hmm? He murmurs without looking up, like she is truly interrupting him. That feels amazing, but I need... Oh, God, she pants. I just need... He rolls and settles his body over hers, caging her beneath him. His smile is one of smug satisfaction. Anyone ever tell you you're impatient in bed, Scully? She can't think of a catchy response, so she reaches between them, trap her hot hand around his shaft. Oh, shit, he hisses. You were saying? He gazes down at her hungrily now, as his knee works itself between her legs, parting her thighs wide. She lifts her hips a little and guides the tip of him in. He finishes the job in one long, smooth slide home. Sweet Jesus, you feel good, he groans, as he begins a slow, rocking motion. The sensation of him inside her is spellbinding. It feels both new and familiar to her, like the pages of a book. She's almost sure she read once and loved. She is gripped by the certainty that it was amazing between them the other night, perhaps the best she's ever had. She knows it will be this time, too. It already is. His masculinity is overwhelming to her in ways it never has been before. Muscles rippling beneath his skin as he pushes into her. His smell, musky and sweet like sandalwood, and the lingering hint of his faded aftershave. The thatch of hair surrounding his cock tickling her labia. The strength of his forearms as they bear his weight. She tugs his head down to hers and plunders his mouth while her fingers press into his shoulder blades, urging him. His hips move faster and his eyes slam shut, and he feels suddenly harder inside her, his thrust deepen enough to rock her entire body. She is hovering on that plateau that she knows so well, and she just wants to scream and swear and thrash and then come until she's empty and limp with exhaustion. She contracts her internal muscles around him tight, and his mouth pops off hers, eyes frantic. Oh, God, Scully, don't, don't, Jesus. She releases, and he slows dramatically, barely pushing into her more than a couple of inches. Jaw clenched, eyes screwed shut, he fights for control. After several moments of almost no movement, he relaxes a little and dips his head to kiss hers again, slipping from her lips. She smiles up at him and cups his cheeks tenderly. That was close, he whispers with audible relief. Sorry. He kisses her again. I can wait. I'm okay. You don't have to. He pulls back to look at her, 
Don't be silly, Scully. He's pumping into her languidly now, leaning his weight to the side on one knee. She can tell that even this degree of movement is taking a great deal of concentration on his part. Mulder, I don't always... It's okay. Really, you don't need to wait. He frowns. That's about the lamest thing I've ever heard. What asshole convinced you of that? She's amused and a bit charmed that he has the decency to look entirely pissed off at her nameless past lovers. I only meant that there are other ways, Mulder. I know that, he says, his scrowl softening. But there's this way, too. He speeds up some, pumping into her a little faster and a lot deeper. And you should know by now that I don't give up easily, Scully. Her breath catches as he pushes himself up again onto his hands and locks his elbows. Indeed, he doesn't. Just tell me one thing, he says, swiping at her nipple with his tongue. Am I on the right track? He latches on and sucks hard. Oh, God, she cries out, her hands twisting the sheet. I'll take that as a yes, he says, his mouth slackening on her breast. She presses his head down. Don't talk with your mouth full, Mulder. He responds with a sharp thrust and a scrape of teeth, and she goes back to not thinking again. Sweet Mother Mary and baby Jesus, how can he be this good? How could she have even considered waiting and not making love to him tonight? How could she have survived this long without him doing this to her? And how can she be this close again so fast? This never ever happens to her like this. Not this quickly. She starts rocking and arching and digging her fingers into his shoulders, and he's suckling her and humming happily and diving into her like some ungodly force of nature and, and, and pulling out? Her eyes fly back open and try to focus. Mulder, what in the world? Fuck! He chuckles throatily and lifts an amused brow at her. She isn't a stranger to profanity by any means, but she typically sticks to the more benign. Mulder could probably count on two hands the number of times he's heard her say fuck. He gets the same delighted look on his face each and every time. Before she can tell him to please get the hell back up here and finish what he started, he's lowering himself down the front of her body, peppering her overheated skin with open mouth kisses, and she suddenly knows exactly what he's going to do and, oh my God, she doesn't know if she wants him to and... Oh my God, she can't remember when the last time, and oh my God, she doesn't know if she can, and oh my God, he's spreading her wide and pressing the tip of his tongue to her clit. His hands slide under her bottom, and he holds her open, anchoring her to the mattress. He laps away at her, flicking and pulling gently and circling, lapping and flicking and pulling and circling, and then circling some more, and then darting his tongue inside her and out again. In and out, in and out, then back to the lapping and flicking, now with two fingers curled and pumping inside her. When he lifts his eyes up her body, she's touching her breasts, rolling her nipples roughly between her fingers, and his tongue slows for a moment. Christ, Scully. Oh, Christ. Before she can form another thought, he's climbing over her body with crazed eyes, sliding back into her one smooth stroke, pumping into her so hard so hard and fast and deep, and she presses her heels to the mattress and pushes back against him and feels herself shatter into a million pieces. 
crying out loudly into his shoulder with each quake and spasm. She's trembling hard as she feels him release a long, shuddering breath and then pulse into her. They breathe raggedly against each other, and she feels him struggle to keep his weight off her as his strength leaves him. With a kiss to her temple, he rolls off, and she misses the sensation of him inside her almost instantly. Mulder gathers her like rose petals and curls his naked and spent body around hers. She has the muscle tone of a rag doll. Her limbs are heavy and her slickened thighs are still quivering. She wants to ask him if he'd consider gaining her a glass of water, but he's unusually preoccupied with suckling and kissing the side of her neck at the moment, and it feels too nice. So, post-coital Mulder happens to be orally fixated as well. Good to know. She's going to need to invest in lots more blouses with collars on them. His palm strokes circles on her stomach, and he nudges a hairy leg between her knee. They lie like tangled strands of DNA. Scully feels his breathing start to regulate, the rise and fall of his chest against her back decelerating. She could easily fall asleep like this, the closeness of him like a drug to her. Should she ask him to stay the night, or just assume he knows he's welcome to? More than welcome to. Tomorrow is Sunday. She wants to wake up like this and make love again. They lie in silence for a while, and she watches the shifting patterns of dulled headlights on her ceiling. She thinks he may have fallen asleep, the typical postcoital male. So this was the key to his insomnia all along, she muses, smiling into her pillow. Should have tried this long ago, and he might not have been waking her up at all hours to chase monsters. She's surprised when she feels him stir and tighten his embrace on her. You surprised me tonight, he whispers. I didn't think you were ready for this. I didn't think I was either at first, she admits. But it just felt right. You won't get any complaints from me. She huffs out a laugh, then pauses for a moment. The truth is, I think we've been ready for this for a while now, Mulder. So, despite the way it happened, Vegas may have been a blessing. Should we send the gunman a fruit basket? She chuckles softly, and they grow still again, drifting and dozing. Mulder? Hmm? I'm thirsty, and you're closer to the kitchen. He plants a kiss to the edge of her mouth and sighs with a smile, then rolls out of bed. So it begins. Minutes later, he returns with two glasses of ice water, and she drinks half hers down before settling on her side. He snuggles close again, pretzeling her. Scully? Hmm? She sighs blissfully. Do you know the story of the peony? No, she says, smiling. Tell me. Of course he would know it. Of course. How many orgasms would it take to shut his brain down, she wonders idly. It's worth some field research, she decides. The Greek myth states that the peony is named after Paeon, a physician to the gods. He was saved from the fate of dying like other mortals by being turned into the flower known as the peony. It represents healing, which is why he kisses the top of her shoulder. It is the perfect. A kiss to her elbow. Flower. Another to her wrist. For you. Mulder, she giggles. Did you actually look that up to impress me? Nope. The guy at the seventh floral shop I went to told me after I mentioned that I was trying to romance a sexy fed. I think he figured if I was buying 15 dozen flowers, 
I needed all the help I could get. Well, she lifts his hand from its cozy spot on her tummy and plants a kiss to the back of his knuckles. I don't think you need any help in the romancing department. The flowers and the dinner, the stargazing, it was perfect. I didn't know you had it in you, Mulder. Oh, ouch. He rolls onto his back, and his hand meets his chest in a dramatic wounded gesture. She laughs. I've just never seen this side of you before. That's all. She turns over and rests a folded arm and chin on his chest, looking up at him. It's sexy. His fingers drift up the sides of her bare back, tickling her ribcage. Yeah? Yeah. She rubs her nose over his chest, snuzzling him. Because I've got moves, Scully. This is only the tip of the iceberg. I can be romantic. So you just, you look out, he sniffs haughtily. Mm, I look forward to it, she hums distractedly, losing herself in the smooth muscles of his chest, the quiver of his abdomen in response to her hot breath. She moves lower still. Where are you going, Scully? Nowhere, just visiting, she says, all but innocently. His penis lies curled to the side of his groin, peacefully. It's so cute and sleepy. She blows on it, and he jumps. Scully, she giggles. Just what a guy longs to hear, the woman of his dreams, describes his manhood as cute. Wake me in an hour, and we'll see how cute you think it is then. He yawns, and she figures he's earned a little sleep. She climbs back up next to him and tucks her head beneath his chin. An hour, huh? She sighs drowsily. Hmm, an hour. They both fall asleep. Mulder wakens just before dawn, to the feel of something tickling his chest. He sniffles and rubs at his nose and then dozes again. Seconds later, the tickle is back. He forces his eyes open, and they try to focus in on the shadows. Scully's lamp. Scully's headboard. Scully's cream-colored comforter and satin sheets. Scully's head under his chin. Scully's arm across his chest. Scully's bare breasts. Scully's bare breasts? Holy shit. The events of the night before come rushing back to him, and he smiles to himself. So this is what it's like, waking up her in his arms. He can tell she's sleeping heavily by her deep, steady breathing. As much as he loves feeling the softness of her pressed against him, the fact of the matter is, his entire left side has fallen asleep and he needs to move. He stirs experimentally, trying to extract his arm from beneath her. She moans quietly and shifts onto her hip a little more so that the creamy mound of her breast is facing up and he's staring directly down at one perfect little raspberry-shaped nipple. His morning erection jumps like it's just received an engraved invitation. He glances over at her bedside clock. 5.15 a.m. Well, she did say she'd wake him in an hour, right? And it's been like almost five now, so... Hey, Scully, he purrs in her ear. No response. He sweeps her messy hair from the side of her face and begins kissing her cheek and jawline, pressing his nose to that soft, silky spot behind her ear. Scully. Mm, she hums without opening her eyes, 
a tiny wrinkle forming between her brows. Wake up, sleeping beauty. His hand slips stealthily up over her bare hip, skims her tummy, and then begins caressing the underside of her breasts. Hey, Scully. She inhales sharply and her eyes flutter several times before opening into annoyed slits. Mulder, what's the matter? What time is it? It's uh, early, a little after five. Remember how you said something about waking up in an hour and we could, you know, he wags his brows at her. His smile wilts a little in response to her death glare. Mulder, is my apartment on fire? He shakes his head. Has there been an earthquake or flood? Are we being evacuated? Has there been a worldwide plague, famine, or nuclear disaster? Is the earth about to be decimated by an asteroid the size of China? Has world peace been declared? Uh, no. So let me get this straight then. You woke me up at 5 a.m. on a Sunday to have sex with you? But you said an hour, Scully. It's been five. With a loud huff, she rolls onto her side facing away from him and thrusts a pillow over her head. Go back to sleep, Mulder. I can see that you're giving it some thought. You just let me know when you're ready, Scully. I'll be here, okay? The other pillow whacks him hard on the side of the head. Two days later. Frohickey, Langley, and Byers take the red eye back from Vegas on Tuesday. $700 ahead of where they were when they had left D.C. the week before. Not bad for a bunch of amateurs. It's just after 6 a.m. when they arrive back in their apartment, unshaven and in yesterday's clothing. The only one not likely to sleep the rest of the day away is Byers, who shuffles into the kitchen and opens the refrigerator, ready to compile a shopping list. Ew, who forgot to throw away the leftover burritos? Not it, yells Frohickey, sifting through a pile of laundry on his bed for his cowboy pajamas. Sorry, yawns Langley. That's why I shouldn't be on kitchen duty. Frohickey tosses him his best bulldog scowl. You seem to think you have a valid reason to be exempt from bathroom duty, shopping duty, and laundry duty, too. I do, shrugs Langley. Basic short-term memory loss. Unless you want to be out of TP all the time, have a cupboard full of cereal with no milk, and wind up with buyer's underwear in your drawer, then I should stick to party planning and Christmas decorations. Frookie rolls his eyes and shuts his bedroom door. It's been four days since the scene with Mulder and Scully in Vegas, and he's kept his mouth shut, not letting on to the others that anything was amiss between their two favorite federal employees. Although they seemed all right when they finally left the hotel, he sensed that things were still a bit tenuous. And even though it takes two to tango, as far as Melvin was concerned, it was Mulder's responsibility to make things right. He had as much as said so to Mulder before he left in a cab with Scully for the airport. He knew that Mulder would never purposely hurt Scully, but nevertheless, his track record in that department left a little to be desired. Mulder was a good friend, but he was also a little dense sometimes when it came to affairs of the heart. And the bottom line was Melvin would leap tall buildings and juggle swords for Scully any day. It's about the time Mulder would be getting up for work. Fergie picks up the phone and dials. He's about to hang up after the fifth ring when Mulder finally answers. Yeah, Mulder, he says, sounding a little breathless. Uh, sorry, man, I figured you'd be up for work. What, were you out for a run? Frohickey? 
The one and only. We just got back into town. How was it? Seven C notes. Not bad. So we are thinking of blowing some of our winnings on Surf and Turf this Friday. You in? I've got a solid on bootleg copy of Attack of the Beast Creatures. Uh, Friday? They're shuffling on the other end of the phone, and Frohickey thinks he hears Mulder cover the mouthpiece for a second. I, uh, I don't think Friday's going to work. But if my plans change, I'll let you know. Mulder frowns. Since when do you have plans on a Friday night? I should jump in the shower, says Mulder, deflecting the question. Don't want to be late for work. Since when? Skinner's on our asses about the cost of the Vegas hotel. Did you at least tell him you two shared a room, chides Frohickey? Very funny. Frohickey clears his throat. Speaking of Vegas, how's Scully doing? Scully? Oh, she's fine. Yeah, Scully's doing very well, actually. There's a muffling through the phone, then the sound of a receiver clanking against something hard, followed by what sounds suspiciously like shushing. But of course, Frohickey must be mistaken. Are you sure? Because she wasn't exactly feeling her best when she left for home. Um, hang on a second. More loud rustling, the sound of Mulder laughing then. Ow, sorry. Frohickey, what? Scully, Melvin prompts, now more than a little curious. We were talking about Scully. Remember? Whether or not she's... Good morning, Frohickey. The very familiar female voice says into the telephone receiver, and Melvin's brows take a hike to his receding hairline. Good morning to you too, Scully. I was, uh, I was just calling to, uh, what I mean to say is that I, I thought I'd check and see if I'm all right. Yes, thank you, Melvin. I appreciate that. But as you can see, I am fine. So if you'll excuse us, we were just waking up. There's muffled movement again, followed by a low, breathy laugh from Scully. Mulder, stop it. Frookie's eyes are the size of the chips he cashed in ten hours ago. Was there anything else then? asked Scully. Frookie, are you still there? I'm here, he replies. A cheeky grin spreading slowly over his face. Nope, I think that about covers it. Do you need to talk to Mulder again before I hang up? Oh, no, Frookie chuckles silently. You just wish him a pleasant morning for me. Although he suspects that won't be necessary. Goodbye, Frohickey. Catch you later, Scully. When the call disconnects, Frohickey stands there for a moment, staring down at his phone in awe. Then he makes his way into the kitchen where Langley is busy making himself a peanut butter and banana sandwich, and Byers is cleaning out the refrigerator. The counter is littered with jars of mayonnaise and salad dressing, a tub of margarine, and a sad brown head of lettuce. Byers has removed his tie, which is the signal that he means business. Don't bother getting steak and lobster for Mulder. His Friday nights are spoken for from now on, announces Frohickey. Langley looks up from licking peanut butter off a knife. But he'll miss Attack of the Beast Creatures. We've only got it for the one night. Did you tell him that? Mulder loves surf and turf night, says Byers forlornly. What could possibly be more important than... Oh, Byers pauses and then smiles. Oh. All three men share looks. Langley laughs. See, I told you guys something was up when they left Vegas. Called that one. Add a bottle of champagne to the shopping list, Byers, instructs Frohickey with a satisfied smile. Gentlemen, this calls for a celebration. In fact, add two. We'll send one to the happy couple. 
The phone gets tossed somewhere in the general vicinity of the foot of the bed, and Mulder stares at Scully with his mouth slightly open, a smile in his eyes. I don't believe you just did that, he chuckles, and returns his attention to where it belongs, kissing that spot right below Scully's ear that makes her make those cute little purring sounds. Maybe you could ask the gunman to hold off phony until after 7 a.m. on weekdays. She rolls over and swings a bare leg, straddling him. He sucks in air through gritted teeth. I wish I could have seen the look on Frohickey's face when you got on the phone. She rocks back and forth gently in his lap as his erection presses against her bottom, hopefully. Mulder, she says, bending down to tease his mouth with her own. We have exactly 30 minutes before we need to shower or we'll be late for work. Do you want to talk about Frohickey, or do you think we can come up with something more fun to do? His hands climb the backs of her thighs. Frohickey who? The end. If you like this story and would like to contribute, you can do so by going to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash audio fanfic pod. As a patron, you are granted early access to one new story of your choosing per month. Thank you for listening. And remember, the stories are out there.